I came across a book by Rick Warren, The Purpose Driven Life. It's not a new book, it's relatively old, but it's always been popular. Rick Warren is a pastor. And I haven't read it, but looking through the summary and the cover description, the book uses simple illustrations and Bible quotes to lay out the basic Christian teachings as a plan for life. The basic Christian teachings as a plan for life. And this is very important, I think, because we live in a culture which is uh, quite affected and influenced by this Darwinist philosophy, you know, Darwin. And in essence, it denies that life has a purpose. Of course, it suggests various goals like learning, good health, even relaxation, entertainment, financial security, retirement, and feeling good, self-esteem that comes from approval of others, or a job well done. But none of this can really be called a purpose. It's like trying to capture smoke with one's hand. It simply slips through the fingers, right? And we can also continuously question by saying that we are living, working, even making sacrifices for, for others, for some other person. That, that is noble. But it kind of becomes a, a circle. If your pur- purpose is other people, what then is their purpose, right? So as Rick Warren points out in that book, we cannot create a purpose for our lives. It's not something that we ourselves create. We can only discover what it is. Because our purpose comes from being part of a grand design. Without that, the universe has no real story. It's just a series of interlocking events. In today's gospel, Jesus presents a different view. He speaks about a coming trial followed by the dissolution of the natural world, then judgment. Human history will have a last act, a final curtain, curtains down, doors closed. Our lives are part of a coherent drama. But 
the drama opens out to eternity and our lives here are like a screening a dress rehearsal for the the roles we will have forever that is the grand design and so the signs of the fallen state of the world are so obvious even now and more so even now the signs of the destruction God does not want them it's not his will but he respects the natural course of the world he has created he respects the freedom that he has given to man and he redeems every injustice in order to bring about a greater good that is the grand design in progress john 3:16 this is god's vision of things for god so loved the world that he sent his only begotten son so that whoever believes in him may not perish but may have eternal life this is what the father has sent his son to do to gather up bring back unite and make us whole again that is the whole purpose within the grand design i remember a young man who who made a statement life is an adventure or it is nothing at all very typical of young people life is an adventure or it is nothing at all He was a very gifted young man but at the same time he had his own cross he had this same sex attraction uh, which led him into a lifestyle that caused destruction to himself and others until he had sunken into a self-made hell He saw that any lifestyle which makes sexual fulfillment its prime object would inevitably have certain traits consumerism pornography drugs alcohol promiscuity and of course putting away and shelving of those who no longer have beautiful bodies and the like but by god's mercy and the help of deeply concerned persons this young man found the strength to come out of that lifestyle and so he embarked on the greatest adventure the striving for holiness the desire to love god with one's whole heart As you can imagine it was a, a struggle 
a daily struggle, sometimes with setbacks, other times with triumphs and victories. He knew he faced a radical choice, holiness or hell. And so do we all. Unfortunately, we often do not see things as clearly as someone like this young man. And then after that conversion, he began experiencing sharp abdominal pains, insomnia, and nausea. When he finally went to the doctor, he received a terrible diagnosis, cancer of the pancreas. He did not hide his feelings from his relatives and from the people he knew, but he also recognized his illness with its bitter pain. It was not the ultimate absurdity, but rather he realized it as an integral part of the adventure to which God had called him. You know, I have seen very few people die with with this kind of clear-head faith that this young man possessed. Years earlier, he had seen the futility of trying to create his own meaning. He surrendered to God and discovered the purpose, the adventure God had prepared for him. My dear friends, as we draw near to the end of the liturgical year and reflect upon the end of our lives and the final judgment of the world, the Church reminds us what our work as Christians really is, not to know the day or the hour. By knowing, I mean feeling a sense of control on things. So that is not our work to know the day or the hour, but to place our trust in the one who does know, who holds these details in his heart. And the word of God says, neither the angels nor the son knows the hour, but only the father. Towards this end, he will order all in his providence and goodness. His are worthy hands indeed for us to rest and place our trust within. And when we are in his hands, we are in good hands. Let us end with a prayer. Lord Jesus, you lived your life on earth as one totally surrendered totally trusting in the goodness of your Father, the Father who feeds the birds of the air and clothes the lilies of the fields, the same Father who has given you authority over all things, over all evil, tribulation, and suffering. Grant me faith to gaze upon the world with your eyes. Grant me hope to hand over my worries, fears, and concerns to the Father, and grant me great love 
to prepare for your coming by letting your love be shown through my own practical, real, and concrete gestures for the good of others. Amen. As we close the liturgical year with the solemnity of Christ the King, I remember the emotional sharing of a man in a prayer meeting. He shared about his uh, out-of-town business trip. He was far from his wife and two kids. He especially missed his three-year-old daughter, whom he adored. That night, he had a terrible and horrible dream. In it, he was seated on, on their staircase, holding his dying daughter in his arms. He could do nothing for her, and he was sobbing bitterly. When he awoke, he immediately called his wife at home. And she assured him everything was okay. The children were fine. And she reminded him that it was 2 o'clock in the morning. But still disturbed and agitated, he called his father who lived in the U.S. Of course, his dad was surprised to get a sudden call from him, but also happy to hear his son's voice. The man told his father about the terrible dream. And then his dad spoke some very wise and profound words. He said, Remember, my son, that everything you have, everything you cherish, even your daughter, is only yours on loan. Jesus has entrusted your family to you, and you must give him thanks every day for such a wonderful gift, and you must care for them in the name of Jesus. When he hung up the phone, that man knelt down by his hotel bed and made, made this prayer. Jesus, protect my family. Help me to be a good husband and a good father. Thank you for all you have given me. You are my Lord and King. You are my Lord and King. Dear friends, Jesus is King. But he is a humble king. We know that in the Gospels, when, when the people try to, to make him king by force, what does he do? He runs away. He goes to the hills. Spends time alone with his father. He prays to his father. But in today's Gospel, Jesus is humiliated or so it seems he stands before Pilate 
who has that power and authority to torture, to shame. And this Pilate degrades him, really humiliates him. And Pilate asks him, Are you the king of the Jews? Of course, with with sarcasm in his tone. Are you the king of the Jews? And Jesus replies, You say I am a king. For this I was born, and for this I came into the world to testify to the truth. But Pilate is not interested in truth. If we read further, he replies, What is truth? But not in the sense of searching for it. It's again sarcastic. What is truth? Pilate is not interested in truth. He is interested only in power. And we all know that we live in a world where most people don't really care about truth for itself. What matters is who controls the narrative, who controls the social media, who controls the public. Truth is not pursued as a goal, but as a weapon to beat the others. And so, my dear friends, you and I, have to make a choice. Who are we going to serve? Whom do you serve? You know, I don't want to be like that guy who who at the end of his life left instructions that somebody If possible, a professional singer would stand next to his coffin and sing that famous Sinatra song, I did it my way. I did it my way. It's one of the favorite karaoke songs. I used to sing it also. I still do sometimes. It's a nice song, but I hope that it it does not sum up our life or that guy's life in the story. I did it my way because if that is the case, he is in for a surprise. The devil may receive him with an ironic smile. You thought you were doing it your way. Well, I've got news for you. Satan will tell him, all the time you were serving me, you were doing it my way. Yes, my dear friends, when we try to do things our way, my way, 
we think we are achieving freedom, independence, liberation. But we are actually falling into the worst slavery. Slavery to our lowest self, ultimately to the devil. So when all is said and done, there are only two banners we can mar- march under. The, ma- the banner of Satan the liar or the banner of Christ the king. Notice, my dear friends, that every graduation, I'm, I'm sure you must have attended one or two, perhaps even your own child. The person who makes the speech or the valedictory address will always tell the, the graduating kids something like, Be true to yourself. Follow your star. You can be anything you want. These are beautiful thoughts, right? They are pious thoughts. And we say them without really thinking. But there is a deeper question. As we asked last Sunday, the same question. Does your life have a purpose? Do you realize that you are part of a greater plan? Last Sunday, we were saying the, deep, the, the deeper or the greater plan of God. John 3.16 For God so loved the world that He gave His only begotten Son so that whoever believes in Him may not perish but may have eternal life. Are we aware that we are part of that greater plan? That is where we should discover the purpose of our existence, of our life. The Word of God says, through the young Jeremiah, Before I formed you in the womb, I knew you. Before you were born, I set you apart. I appointed you. Life, especially the time of life we call youth, is about discovering God's plan. You remember we were saying, you don't invent that purpose, that plan. You don't make it yourself. You discover it. What does it mean to be a child of God in relation to a Father who loves us individually and from all eternity? When we say, when we proclaim, that Jesus is the Lord of Lords. He is the King of Kings. That means we acknowledge His rule and authority over everything and everyone. We acknowledge that He should reign totally, reign over us, and to have authority over every part of our being. And Jesus affirms that he who is not with me is against me. And so it's either 
We are with Him or against Him. There is no middle ground, my friend. There is no half-hearted commitment that is nauseating to Christ. And so if you are not ready to stand up for Christ, if we are not ready to stand up for Christ, let's not kid ourselves. We are either with Him or against Him. Are we going to be like the apostles who died as martyrs? Most probably, most of us will not experience the same fate. But are we going to be like the apostles, faithful to the end? Or like Judas? There is no middle ground. Today, the feast and the word of God invites us to renew our commitment to belong to Christ the King.